0: Welcome to Keeping Up with Data. Keeping Up with Data is the podcast that keeps data enthusiasts up to speed with what is happening in the data world. We bring in the leading minds from the data industry to talk all things career, news, embarrassing stories, failures, and successes. So something really important for us here at Precision Sourcing is mental health. It's something we've been focused on a lot over the last year or so. And we're lucky enough to have partnered with the Black Dog Institute. And we're going to be doing a lot of events with them this year. A lot of our events, money will be going towards them. And they're out there aiming to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. So if you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link in the bio on this podcast. And you'll be seeing a lot more information about Black Dog over the next year. All right, we are back. Season two of Keeping Up With Data with me, Joel Robinstein.
1: Me, Emily Notar.
0: And today we are joined by Dean Marchiori. Dean, welcome. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So we've known Dean for, God, nigh on nearly 10 years now. So we're pretty excited to have you on. And uh, discuss your whole day, yeah, long time, right?
1: Basically how long you've been here.
0: It is pretty much from day one, yeah. So um, we've seen you go from, obviously the start of your career pretty much to now managing a team and building out data science functions, eh?
2: Yeah, it's good to meet
0: you two minutes ago for the first time. I know, right after 10 years. <laughs> met all, all, a lot of times on video, but, um, so obviously, it'd be good to get a bit of background on you, first of all, Dean, just for the listeners. So do you want to uh, just tell us a bit about yourself, I guess?
2: Yeah, sure, so I run the data science team for Endeavour Energy, so we manage the electricity network for a lot of Greater Western Sydney and the South Coast in Illawarra. Um, so I guess prior to that, I was kind of working in data science consulting jobs, and I started off my career, my data career working um, for a big bank. So I kind of did that. I initially had this early career in finance. I was a trader. Um, mm. So, and, but you know, didn't really like that. I, I think I wanted something analytical, but that, that wasn't really it for me. Um, but got a good opportunity there and, and kind of the rest is the rest is history. So you were a trader? Yeah, yeah, it sounds really fancy. It was it was kind of entry level um, stuff, but yeah, I worked for uh, ANZ Bank's share trading arm, Very E-Trade, nice. yeah, so I was like, putting trades on for people every day. And it was essentially a call center type of role. It was just, you know, it was really full on um, high stress, kind of really exciting, but heavily sort of sales focused and wasn't kind of that analytical itch. I didn't Mm. get to scratch it. So, but a lot of good opportunities there to do other stuff. Uh, in the bank and work with some really, really smart people. So, yeah, that was kind of my, my apprenticeship. So not as sexy as it seems on TV, the trading job sometimes. Like Wolf of Wall Street. It was yeah. a really <laughs> cool, fun sort of culture, like a work hard, play hard, a lot of young yeah. people, you know, a lot of young grads and stuff working. It was it was really good. And I guess you could, you know, a lot of people are still in the industry and have worked their way up and are doing some, some pretty cool things. Um, but but for me, I, I wanted to kind of try something different.
0: Makes sense. We're hearing a lot about data stuff, mm. as you'd call it, in trading and, and investments. We've been working with a few clients, and we're actually going to do some events next year around it, of helping data people tra- traverse into it, because I think a lot of the skills are very transferable. Now the trading world's gone quant, but mm. it's probably a, a podcast yeah. for another day. Well, hey? you know, yeah. I mean, there
2: wasn't much of a data industry. Well, there probably was, but I wasn't aware of it, yeah. and it kind of opened my eyes a bit, because it's such a mature space, and, and they've been doing it for a long time, so it's, it's good to see people wanting to, to go into the industry, rather than branching out from it, so. Brilliant. Mm. All right. Well, so to
0: the format of what we're going to be doing. So, Emily, you've been out on the COVID safe streets.
1: Yeah, with my mask on. Yeah, which Socially has been good. Socially distanced.
0: Asking the public what they know about data. <laughs> so we'll get to that later. We've got the best data Ooh. jokes as well. So um, you've had a long time to prepare considering the lockdown. I'm guessing it's going to be better than last season.
1: For sure. <laughs> got to deliver it properly though. I'm a bit, yeah, that's, gonna be yeah that's the
0: tip, Dean, is that the joke. is all about the delivery we find. So...
2: Yeah, I'm not a fan of this. I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm firmly in the camp of there's no funny data jokes. So, oh, okay. You're you going to win yeah. me over. All, All right, yeah. right. Well, we're going to find out later. Okay, good. <laughs>
0: okay. All right, well, before we do that, let's get into it, get to know you a little bit more, um, as we always do. So, um, a really nice, easy question to kick you off, Dean. Just, you obviously you mentioned that you were a trader early in your career, but when did you really figure
2: out, you know, what this data world was? You wanted to get into it. What did that look like? Yeah, you know, I, like I kind of started off doing a maths degree, right? And, and, You know, I was like, well, what what job can I do? Um, Obviously, it sounds silly saying that now, but I kind of grew up in a a small town and was a bit naive and wasn't really, you know, uh, up to date with, you know, where a corporate career could kind of take you. Um, So I thought, oh, finance, it's kind of interesting for me. You know, that's kind of that nice blend of, you know, it's kind of exciting, it changes day to day and it's kind of practical, right? Um, So it wasn't until I started working in that career that I kind of realised that I had this... um, kind of want to do something more sort of analytical, you know, so, some kind of deeper thinking stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was working for a big bank and, and I kind of got exposed to a lot of smart people doing cool things and I, and I kind of found a team in particular and kind of just went, yeah, that that's that's it. That's what I want to do. And a couple of years later I got a job on that team. Nice. Um, you know, so it was um it was really lucky. It was kind of like a, a big break. And I had a couple of people there that I learned from that I um yeah, I'm really glad I met and that kind of set my path and then yeah, I just remember thinking, yeah, I I want to do this as a as a career as a job. Like, yeah. I really this is, a, this is a nice little groove for me. So, yeah, it was nice I found that because I wasn't really sure that's where I was heading. Yeah, yeah. And you're an
0: interesting one. So Emily, obviously, you work the data science market and you meet people coming from all walks of life into data science. As I'm sure you do as well, Dean. Are you kind of that more traditional statistics
2: into data science kind of journey that you've had. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. You know. Well, I sort of had an interest in, in, in math and stats, so, um, you know, but I'm a really practical kind of applied person, so I think that's why I kind of moved into stats over doing something more academic in math, so, yeah, that that was kind of my background, and, and I've kind of had to learn sort of the programming and coding side enough to do my mm. job, but, you know, the, others, the other side's right, too, you know, you get people that come from a, a computer science background or whatever, and then um you know and, and they contribute in, in a different way so yeah that's kind of been um my niche and something that I've tried to specialize in
1: what's your thoughts just oh, sorry I'm jumping in here. Oh, um, point. <laughs> here what's your thoughts on like the data scientists coming in from that traditional like what you would call um like everyone kind of looks out for stats maths versus the engineering or science background into data science they're both sort of different angles eh
2: yeah you know you got that like Venn diagram that got made really popular a while ago where it kind of has domain knowledge, maths and stats, and then like the computer science and engineering. I think Mm. they're all really important. Mm. I think it's just a shame the industry is not very differentiated. Everyone's a data scientist, but I think it's actually worth (laughs) calling out that, you know, there's different types, just like there's different types of doctors or different types of engineers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think as the field matures, maybe that'll become a little bit clearer. So you can tell if someone's a tool builder or someone comes from a domain background, or if someone comes from a math stats background, they can bring something different to the team. Mm. So yeah, it's all good. And and the discipline's Mm. only called what it is, and it's only developed into what it is because of this mishmash of skills. So, you know, the old crusty kind of statistics field, I I think it needed a revamp and it needed Mm. to be more modernised. So I'm glad it has. Um, But I I think, you know, we still need to mature a bit as a field and, and people be able to... Uh, I don't know if it's accreditations or, or some kind of better labeling so people can mm. match the opportunities a bit better. And you must see this every day with yeah. people from different backgrounds and morning roles. But you know, it takes a lot of work to connect those two things together. And often there's no connection that can be made.
0: Well, I think we're at the point now. So we obviously when I started recruitment, we spoke about this before, I just did all of data, then we split it into BI and analytics. And then we split that into BI analytics and data science. And now you can do BI data analytics, data science, data engineering, data governance. (coughs) I've got a feeling that data science is going to split itself soon. And there'll be different types of data science. Oh, there already are, but Mm. defined types. Of data scientists the machine learning data scientists the predictive yeah. data scientists the programming data scientists so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how the market develops i
1: feel like that like what you said about labeling or better labeling is like super super interesting because everyone's called a data scientist like you say so it's kind of like someone needs everyone is, well we, did, know, the today,
2: we? <laughs> so well, did the question today didn't we so i got views on this so yeah well we did yeah, we, we, we asked
0: people on the street <laughs> with emily we said how many data scientists do you think there are in australia uh. And people were throwing out some crazy numbers, which, like, a million like, one
2: person said yeah. which was
0: crazy. <laughs> so, how many do you think there are that, that call themselves this on LinkedIn? So, obviously, we'll, we'll extrapolate it out a little bit.
2: Yeah, okay. In Australia,
0: 5,000? Mm. Mm, just oh, so two and a half seven. thousand. Yeah, yeah, right. So, and we thought it would be more because there was this even though I thought that was a low number.
2: Five. Yeah, right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we and we thought because everyone went and called themselves a data scientist for many years. Yeah. We think the market might have changed where people have gone. Oh, I don't want to call myself a data scientist. Yeah, I, I actually
2: I, am. I hate it. I, I don't like the <laughs> word. You know, but but it's, it, it is good in a way. But it, it is a bit of a cringe because you know <laughs> I I maybe I'm I'm old enough that I was doing it before it was cool before mm. it was mm. called that right bit of bitterness so, in there. You know, so I was called a, a, <laughs> an analyst, right? Everyone right. was a, you know, you're Ooh. an analyst, senior analyst, right? And then this data science term came about it. And all of a sudden, you know, that, that term analyst became almost like a junior yeah, kind it of has, thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So to maintain relevance in the industry, you, you know, you had to almost rebrand yourself. Yeah. So I found myself just calling myself that on LinkedIn. I don't think I've ever been officially called a data scientist in any job with any company I've ever had. It's always been something else, data insights analyst mm. or something you know, companies have this old fashioned way of hiring and, and it's, it's not up to them to be on the cutting edge. They're hiring. They want to move into this space. They don't have as much context as as, as we do. So, yeah, it, it kind of got thrust upon a lot of people, I think, and they had to rebrand and adapt. But I think it's it's fine. You know, like it's a sales term and it's, we use it to sell what we're offering, which exactly. is good mm-hmm. quality data analytics. So, you know, that's that's what I offer. And if I have to, Make it sound sexy, then uh, it's fine. I hmm. no will. Do you think that companies um, did it that way because they got scared if they
0: brand a job description data scientist, they're suddenly gonna have to pay forty, fifty percent more than they think? So they call them an analyst internally, so they can try and get someone cheaper, or is it just they didn't
2: know? I don't. Th- I don't think they know. You know, I've I've seen a lot of roles where it's been you know, data analyst, customer insights analyst, and I've I've like rang up and gone, oh wow, I, I really. You know uh, your company's great, I really like to work there, um, but you know this role, like what's it all about mm. and then you talk to them and they, and you go oh yeah yeah it's that's exactly what I want and, and it sounds like you you know you might have had someone in that role doing basic kind of analytics, pivot tables, spreadsheets, you want to move it kind of a step mm. forward. you get some professor, some mad sign right, you know, well, it, right? it, it's scary, it's new, no one really knows it, and it's you know some poor hiring manager that has to do it for the first time, yeah. you know I think that's where you know that's where the value that that obviously you add is doing that that connectivity yeah
1: yeah i was going to say you strike gold when you find a data scientist in quotation marks that doesn't doesn't just do the like building and executing of models algorithms and then like you say is that pretty much the insights piece right connector to, to the business mm. but like your anomaly because obviously you are that but like <laughs> <laughs> lots of people i suppose look for that
2: you know uh, unicorn yeah, I don't think it might be, you know, a limiting factor for people looking yeah. for jobs. You know, just wanting to be a data scientist yep. and just searching for yeah. that, and, and and not realizing that, well, you know, like for the first five years of your, of your career, you're probably an analyst. You're not probably a data scientist Correct. when you. When you re baseline all the people, in that, they call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. Yeah, so. yeah we, um, I think the
0: amount of times over the years where we've said to the person, look, don't worry about the job title and this job description, read. 100%. The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you're right, and that's where a lot of junior people go wrong. They're just focused on this job title. And every time Emily and I speak to any of the unis or the students or whatever, we say, look, there's, here's just 12 different types of roles that you could have but you could be doing similar things in all of them. Yeah. So don't get too fixated on this this buzzword title, which leads us nicely to the next topic of conversation is buzzwords. You've already said you hate the words. The data scientist. science. Is that controversial? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I don't. Well, I don't hate it, but I think it's a bit of a buzz term. And that's fine. I'll, I'll piggyback on that if it helps. Um, what other buzz terms do you hate?
0: AI, yeah. You hate AI? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because people <laughs> call things AI that yeah. isn't actually AI. Is yeah,
2: but it? it's the same thing, right? It's It's making kind of you know advanced analytics popular like yeah. ai has been around for a long time and statisticians have been using neural nets for a long time as well i think there's this maybe there's this crossover with like general artificial intelligence and kind of this notion of like sentience and terminator that yeah. people kind of we you always know, get to terminate this, on this podcast yeah there's yeah. this yeah. sensationalized aspect of it which i think doesn't doesn't help or it makes it seem somewhat evil yeah. or nefarious or whatever but so I, I don't like it. I, I, I kind of like machine learning. That's kind of a buzz term that I do like because I think it is kind of, it's a really nice way of explaining what predictive modelling does. But, but AI sounds a bit too like Hollywood, so yeah. I, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, on that I like point, it. that's a
0: really good segue to the fact that the question to the streets today was what is machine learning? Yeah. Right. So I think we should probably go to that now and find yeah. out. So I think we've got five people who responded to this one. And what are these, just randoms on the street? Randoms. Yep. Wow. Some of them may know about data, some of them may not. Um, how many out of five do you think are gonna get close to the answer of
2: what is machine learning? Machine learning, oh, you're just walking around here. You've got sampling bias, you're in the city. Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, we tried to stick in the building because the COVID stuff and people
0: still don't want microphones shoved in their face. I reckon you might get two or three out of five. Yeah, I'm okay. optimistic, yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's find out.
1: What is machine learning? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Go, take a, take a step. I
0: think it's um, probably a recording of what they're doing, I
1: think.
2: Machine learning is where technology can predict and forecast how people think and their actions and what they might do based on previous data. Um, learning via a machine. The old, like Terminator, isn't it, or something like that, where they, yeah, I don't know. But it's where the, it's where the software or the thing learns the more times it does the thing.
1: When the computer learns stuff, um, it's when you use your hands to learn. Machine
0: learning is learning as a machine.
1: Like when snapping
0: repeats all the time, like some patterns. Machine learning is um, where you put into a system a load of data, and the
2: machine <laughs> or the system um, develops that data into something useful and continuously
0: changes. It's like uh, AI, where 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 you know it uh, it learns. Uh, right. Okay. So there was more than five. I think we had nine or something there. Um, I scored that around a two point five at best, Dean.
2: What do you reckon? Yeah, it wasn't much good, was it? No data <laughs> analysts in that uh, in that survey. I hope. No. Yeah, you'd hope not, no, wouldn't God, you? No. But it was interesting. You know, a lot of them said uh, machines that learn, which was. a not great but i think a lot of people were kind of this kind of feedback loop you know you kind of feed more in and you get more out yeah i think that's that's getting kind of close yeah, yeah. There was the
0: the guy the geordie fellow who was like you know the thing that learns as it learns more and it does the thing more something that he said i think that was
1: someone who good. said something like the thing you learn with your hands just does oh, not yeah, make, not sure make any sense <laughs> yeah.
0: um it was actually a lot worse than i expected yeah. <laughs> i'm going to be honest because it's kind yeah, of in too. the name right yeah. it, Even if someone just said, well, it's a machine that learns over time, I would have been like, well, that's closer than what half of them said. Yeah. But maybe we shouldn't judge because I guess if I got asked a question about something I didn't know, I probably wouldn't know either. So.
1: Well, you'd know about this.
0: That Yeah, but that's because I work in data. That's true. Anyway. All right. So um, a question (laughs) that we do every podcast, which I personally really like, one of my favorite Reddit threads is explain like I'm five. So I'm going to get you to do that, Dean. Um, You've got to imagine that you sat around a dinner table with your five-year-old, let's say nephew, um, and then they go, Dean, what do you actually do? Yeah, well, I've got a five-year-old
2: son. Well, he's six now, oh. but, you know, um, so I, I know what, what he thinks I do because okay. I, I ask him sometimes. Okay. So yeah. I want to make sure he, he doesn't misrepresent <laughs> me in class when they go around and say, well, what does your mummy or daddy do? But it's interesting, you know, I asked him and he's, you know, I work for a, an energy utility and he said, oh, you go and look at power lines and you make sure they're safe. And I went, I was like, no, that's not... But I said, yeah, I, well, I kind of do that occasionally, right? But I thought that was really interesting you know it wasn't it wasn't how i do my work or what i do but it mm. was kind of the why they kind of understand interestingly the kids understand the why like what's your purpose like what if i explained to him that i'd sit on a computer all day or, or analyze data that kind of would go over a five-year-old's head i think which i think is a nice insight to focus on the why do you do something yeah okay. is to mm. go and you know you know keep keep the power line safe or you know um, stop bad guys, or you know, like whatever you're doing. Yes. If you're in fraud, or if you're in, you know, I think focusing on the why is a nice way to explain not what you do, but maybe people want to know why you do it.
0: Do you think that gets yeah. missed? Yeah, it's a totally. Lot. You know, everyone says, "Oh, I do this, I do that, I do this," but you've literally put it in a five-year-old's brain. Keep
2: the power. They don't care working. what you do; they yeah. care why you do it. I think it's a Simon Sinek thing. It's yeah. one of those like popular leadership yeah. things, and yeah. and it's like, yeah, that actually makes sense when you break it down to. Yeah, no one cares, like, how you do your job. And, you know, maybe people care what you do, but, you know, you, everything you do in life, you do for a reason, right? There's some purpose behind it. Um, so I think it's good to sometimes reframe it like that. So mm.
0: I think you'd agree, Emily, that we speak to a lot of candidates, people, and that's the piece that always gets missed. But like, yeah. tell us about your career, tell us about what you do. That would never be the answer we'd get, ever.
1: But that's also, like, in interviews, I feel like either – you're the clients like or you might be interviewing you like i'm looking for you know the outcome the the why behind the the graph or whatever it is that's the visualization and then everyone misses it all the mm. time they don't say why they just say what's on the graph or the model or whatever so it's like that's what's what well,
2: I, I use this all the time internally and if i talk to like an executive level person in my org i say i need you to tell me why we're doing this mm. then mm-hmm. i need my boss to tell me what to do And then you need to go away and let me figure out how to do it. Yeah, exactly. I need that Mm. what, that that why, what, how. Yeah. But then like I need to do that when I'm explaining stuff to other people as well, I think. I need to focus on explaining why we're doing something, then what Mm. we did. And then if they want to know how we did it, we can go into it. But so often you start with like, oh, you know, here's how we did it. Here's the smart thing we did. And it's like, well, yeah, but but like what's the, so what, Mm. you know? Yeah. So obviously you manage a
0: team and, is that something that you have to work on with your team? Do they even care about the why sometimes? Do you almost have to pull it out of them? or are they more uh, bothered
2: about the how? Uh, I think getting them in the door and hiring them is all about the why. Yeah, okay. 100%. Mm-hmm. Once they're there on board, I think you can kind of assume that, yeah, you know, their their values are aligned with our values. Then they can focus on how to deliver what we tell them to. Okay. As long as you can kind of show them that, you know, what they're doing is going to feed up to those that purpose that the company has but it was a huge thing recruiting recently was was getting people to leave you know top universities with the best facilities to come work for a greenfields analytics setup Mm -hmm. it needed to be around the purpose people wanted to make a difference to the community they wanted to do some sort of public good they wanted to you know to to connect with the company's why so i think it's it's not so much the day-to-day but it's it's getting the right people in the door i think that's really important to to sell that on And I know even when we were talking earlier, it was all about, look, on paper, this is not going to look as cool as a job at Google, Mm -hmm. right? And not a lot of analytics jobs are. But if you actually try and find something that aligns with your values or your own purpose around what you want to do, that why, then I think that's the key to being happy in your job. And I know that I didn't think about that at the start of my career. I just wanted the technical challenge. I'd work anywhere. I didn't care. Mm. But but now, more and more, I'm seeking something that has more of an impact, you know, I'm making more of a contribution to where I want to contribute.
1: Totally. We've had lots of processes recently where we've been working with like people with carbon emissions yeah. and all to do with carbon emissions, like startups and I don't know, giving back to society. And it's just like the hugest selling point that you can give to anyone it on the really market. Is,
0: yeah, at the moment. Especially younger people, yeah. you know, mid 20s, like you say, oh, we're, this is a project where you're trying to get carbon-neutral farming by
2: 2030. Yeah. Brilliant. That is cool. But, you know, you don't need to be curing cancer. You know, like every day, like I work for a big (laughs) bank and people are like, oh, that's, you know, that's evil, you know, big bank, big farmer or whatever. But it's like, well, actually, everyone I worked with was solely focused on helping customers grow their wealth and have a happy retirement, provide for their Mm -hmm. kids. And you actually, if you can find a team that actually, you know, forget the perception, actually find out what their values are, and, and does that align with what you want to do? And are you happy doing that? Is that you want to be part of that machine? And if it is, then go for it. It doesn't matter what it is. And, but just make sure you have some alignment. Mm. And that's not always easy. You can't always pick and choose maybe early in your career. But I think you should definitely bear that in mind. And I think if you're building out teams, yeah, that's the kind of the tool you want to use to attract the right people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So your big hiring tip of the day is go through the why in that interview process so that you don't then have to worry about it once they have start because you know that you're on the same page.
2: Correct. Yep.
0: Good. I like that. Higher for why? Yeah. Higher for why? Okay. Brilliant. All right. We're talking about recruiting. We always love funny stories about ourselves and other recruiters. Um, the internet sure does. So let's do it. What is the funniest sales pitch that you've ever had from a recruiter?
2: I do not get that many. I don't know why, oh. but but I, it was fu- but there is one that comes to mind, and it was with you. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Oh, this is like <laughs> this is really poignant, but it was funny. Not. It was funny because of like something silly I did, I Got think. You. And it's exactly related to what we're just talking about. Okay. It was like much earlier in my career. It might've been when we first connected. And, and I remember I was looking for another another role and I wanted to um, to branch out of what I was doing. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. And and, and you know that, that call when you get a client on the line and, and you want to learn about what they want. You want to be able to match them to like their dream role, right? Yeah. And I, I swear it was you. It, might, look, it was definitely <laughs> precision. Possible. It might've been someone else. But... They said, also what, what kind of role do you want to do? I'm like, oh, i not in a role with data, you know, I want to do data oh, analytics. Said that, yeah. and, and, you go, and they go, yeah, 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 cool. But like, you know, what type of role? You know, and you're like, I don't know, just anything where I get to do it. And I think after a while, <laughs> you might've just like, I don't, you didn't lose your temper, but you were kind of like, look, dude, this, this is not working, okay? You need to actually give me something here. Otherwise, <laughs> I, like, there's no point in me trying to help you. And I was like, all right, well, let me go back to the drawing board and actually think about it. Yeah, good. But it was actually- but it, but it was it was a call out. I was like, oh yeah, like I don't, I didn't think about that. Like where I, I just wanted anything, you know. I was yeah. so hungry. I, I just wanted the technical challenge. I was like, I don't care where I work. I just want to work doing this and that. And maybe and using these tools. How
0: annoying that might be as a hiring manager. You got. Yeah, an answer, if, right? if you like, oh be like, what is you're this not. Person? Yeah,
2: like you're not going to be committed. You're, you know, you're yeah. not gonna, you're not gonna be, you know, really driven, you know, in, in this role because you don't know anything about it. And how do I know you want to do it? Um, <laughs> So yeah. it's the advice That's we give hilarious. a lot of people, though. Is yeah. I, I, I feel like if you felt the other person on the
0: phone, maybe not lost their temper, but got a bit agitated, it probably wasn't me because I don't really remember. No, no, tone, it wasn't lost but temper,
2: d- but it, it was like Adjusted It, it was like you snapped yeah. out of this, like. So tell me about yeah, you. Yeah, like, yeah. look, can I just, just level with you? Like, me, you yeah. need yeah. to like, <laughs> you need to think about this because otherwise, I can't help you. Right, help Correct. me to help you. Fair you, play, fair you play. And I was like, and I was like, oh wow. And the only reason I remember it, that was, you know, ages ago is because I was like, oh yeah, that was, how silly. Like now yeah. with the benefit of hindsight, I can go, yeah, that would have been an annoying call for sure. But annoying <laughs> for you, not for me. Oh, well, there you but go.
1: beneficial for you because you could reflect. But I don't know how,
2: you know, like uh, a lot of junior people that coming through and wanting to, like early career people, you know, I don't know how you instilling them a sense of knowing what they want. Like, mm. I don't know how you kind of say to someone, no, no, you need to go and think about what you want. So I don't know what I want yet. You know, I need to discover that a little bit yeah. Mm. So some, you I know. guess what
0: we tell the junior people is to ask the right questions to at least explore that, to yeah. at least understand the market and the different types of roles that are available and at least rule some out. You know, that, that's kind of how we say it, do it that way around rather, because you can't, you don't know what you don't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I often, I've said this so many times, but I often, when that discussion comes up and it's like, so what are you going to do? And they were like, oh, I just want to be in data analyst, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, no. So tell me, hypothetically, If a role came across your desk next week, it was everything you wanted and more. What do you think the top three or four things that would need to have in it, broadly speaking, in order for you to accept it and say, cool, mm. resigning tomorrow, no counter offer. done. Then they're like, oh, okay, my career progression. I want to mm. learn about Python um, and I want to do this, this, and this. And it's just like, ah, "Yeah, set it's the that, scene.
2: It's that, it's that old school sales <laughs> technique yeah. of going, you know, like what color car do you want? They go, I don't yeah. know. They go, oh, cool. But if you did know, what color um, would it yeah, be? Yeah. They go, oh, black. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> And do you know what analysts that we deal with, they, they
0: uh, Dealing with hypothetical questions as an analyst, for whatever reason, seems to be very difficult. Because, that, But it hasn't happened yet, so how <laughs> can I answer that? Like, yeah, but hypothetically, and, just, and we always say to them, I guarantee you this is gonna happen, so start yeah, yeah. thinking about it now, right? Mm, Otherwise, yeah. you're just gonna have a lot of pain. So you don't get a lot of calls from recruiters, which is one of the things we hear a lot of managers do get a lot of calls from recruiters. Is it because you're not a manager on LinkedIn, do you think?
2: Um. yeah I don't, and I don't pick up my phone maybe so maybe they <laughs> are ringing me I get a lot of calls every day but I don't oh, answer them maybe it's that then yeah um, maybe that's a tip to managers am so I so not a manager on LinkedIn? I, I, I thought you were still still just a data scientist I thought your title was I data no, scientist maybe my byline are. my byline might be mo- much more generic than what my role is so yeah. I don't know how, yeah. you, how like the recruiters well, don't go that deep you know,
0: they'll be like, oh, You just go title, to the byline, job title, job you know, yeah, yeah. job title. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you found a way around it.
2: No one wants statisticians anymore. No, right? They. It's weird. Well, i clinging onto it they, for dear But they life. actually do. They just <laughs> yeah. don't think that they do. Um, yeah, yeah and, and look, you know, I think I've been lucky in, in, in my career in that I've managed to kind of fall ass backwards into a few nice roles. So mm-hmm. I haven't had to go out and um, get on databases and yeah. go out and like prospect for too much. Like I said, I've, I've been able to move sideways in a few roles and, yeah. and kind of get a leg up that way. And just a lot of like, I just did my own hustling, you know? Like I would, like I said, I would, I'd see a company in the city I wanted to work in, was hiring and I kind of liked the company, but they didn't have a role I liked. So I'd ring them up and like talk to the hiring manager. So rare people would do that. You're
1: though. like a recruiter yeah. Yeah. But for I'd your just, own Well, self.
2: <laughs> of course you have to be, right? Yeah. You can't expect someone to, to make your opportunity. It was just probably naivety as well. And I was like, hey, I this role doesn't sound right, but this is what I want to do. And you go, oh, funny you mentioned that actually. Like i have actually, we're, we're looking at doing this in six Brilliant. months. Give me a call back. And the amount of times that that's just turned into a job or well, they've gone, oh, you wanted that manager role. Yeah, but you know what? You're, you're not quite right for it. you kind of think, oh. But then you look back and go, yeah, I wasn't right for it at the time. But they, then they actually offered me this other position that that manager was going to, you know, have in, in his or her team. And it kind of just works out. But I think you need to kind of put yourself out this is there. Brilliant. Mm. So three things we're going to take
0: from this. Firstly, you show enough humility to get a knock back, but accept it, go, you know what, maybe I wasn't quite right. There must be a reason why I'm not right. So let's keep that conversation open of maybe something that is right for me. I think a lot of people take that first knock back and go, oh, but obviously I could do that job. And rah, 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 rah. Mm. Secondly, we... Tell junior people all the time what you've just said there. Make your own opportunities. If you see a company you want to work for, okay, how many people are you connected to on LinkedIn that know you there? Or do you know someone who works there? Can they link you in? Send them a message saying, hey, see that you're the manager of data there. I just wanted to let you know I've had an eye on your company for ages. Really interested. Pick up the phone maybe. Yeah. Go to a networking event that you see they might be speaking at. and make your, People just sit there waiting for the world to kind of come to them. So the fact that you've actually done that and we've got evidence that it works is amazing.
2: You know, my first, yeah. first kind of, when I wanted to move into finance, I was kind of just studying, working kind of roles that, that, you know, it wasn't my career. You know, I just, I picked up the phone and just rang up a stockbroking company and wow. said, I want to come and just do some work experience there. Hmm. Right? I just wanted to get a foot in the door. And then I, I said to them, I want to come back every week for one day. Then I want to come back two days a week. And then they just started paying me. <laughs> like it was like nothing, right? It was literally just to get me by while yeah, I was yeah. finishing, you know, some study. And I said, oh, I said, I'd, uh, you know, I said, I'd work here for free. He's like, it's only fair. You're doing admin work. I need to be paying you, right? This is not slave labor. Yeah, nice. but, then, but then that kind of gave me a year or two experience in like a really, really junior role that was kind of instrumental to me getting like an interview with a bank, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want no experience. They yeah. want some kind of internship or something. And, you know, so it's just, yeah, I don't know, It's hustle. you got to hustle, I think. So you were know. that guy in the Great.
0: corner that was like, what does Dean do? And who pays Dean? Who actually hired Dean? How yeah. is he yeah. here? I'm like, you know, that Seinfeld
2: episode where Kramer oh. just starts working yeah. somewhere yeah. and he's just got crackers in his briefcase. I was, <laughs> I was totally that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> God, I
0: loved it. Um, well, look, I need another drink. So before we do that, my favorite part of the show, the best date of joke. Oh, God. Okay. Um, okay. I can't remember from season one. I feel like it was pretty much a draw, Emily versus the... Guests, I think it was quite close,
1: yeah, because mine was shocking.
2: And yeah, was but everyone continuing. shocking oh, yeah, okay, so it's, it's a, a competition, draw. is it?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's guests yep. versus Emily, that's that's the way it works. Um, I've got a
2: British accent, it's a competition, is it? <laughs> yeah, you really British. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. <laughs> so um, <dear. laughs> right? So, Dean, would you like to go first or second as the guest? No, mine, mine's not funny, so I'd, I'd like to hear. What he's called for Okay, cool. Things. Okay. I'm excited. And I got a feeling yeah. you're going to let me you down You will get a pity I, laugh. There's no, there's no, no good data ones. jokes, right? This is, yeah. It's well, just going to be like a. But mine's an interesting uh, story, but yeah, come on. Like,
1: cringe. Okay. All right, cool. Mine's not a story, um, just so you know. So, if you think your micro- microwave is collecting data and the TV is spying on you, as bad enough. The vacuum has been gathering dirt on you for years. Ah, uh, very
0: good. <laughs> that's good. I like that one. I'm going to give that a real laugh.
1: Oh, that
2: wasn't right. real. Your delivery was, was terrible half. Again, Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible delivery. Terrible delivery. delivery of I reckon God that fair. might Story be the, 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 the joke we're looking for. Crap. Yeah. Okay. I oh, think I'm the doing. best you can hope for is like a groan mm-hmm. to these jokes. Like a... oh no, you will get yeah, a pity yeah, laugh yeah, from me yeah. unless oh. it's terrible. That's fine. Or really it's a tough overtly <laughs> dirty <laughs> that we had once. Yeah, I, um, I did, you know, it, in desperation when I was Googling for these jokes, I found some really obscene ones I tried a few out. And my um, wife well, said, you cannot say that anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I debated um, it on But they, they were actually like quite funny. Oh, well, um, maybe we could do one of those. We'll, we'll do it off air. Okay, cool. Okay, look, I've got something. <laughs> okay. So what's the difference between a mathematician and a large pizza? I don't know, Dean. What is the difference? A large pizza can feed a family.
1: Oh. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's so good. That was
2: told to me by a maths lecturer at uni in the mid-2000s. Right? I look at him now. Now it's like sexiest job of the 21st century or whatever, right? Oh my God. It's but like literally that was like an impression. It was, it was, you know, like there's no practical jobs. you got to go into finance. You've yeah, got to be right? a hedge fund yeah, trainer. Yeah. If you want to like earn money. You know, there's no maths there's jobs. Like history you can degree. be a maths lecturer. Yeah, and I, yeah it's like, well, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Um, now look at yeah. you. Now all of a sudden, well, not so much me, but just uh, a comment on the industry itself. It kind of exploded. Like that was the inflection point. It had happened maybe a bit earlier in the US, but we're always a bit behind here. But then, you know, um, you know, you see more and more companies every day just exploding in, in this area. So yeah, that was just a funny, like, bad call. Oh, I <laughs> like it. Give us one of the uh, the off air ones, Gone. On. No, I can't remember it, but I've got a I have got got to I gotta got dip back into it. But it was bad. I, I it's oh, not really? safe for podcasts. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. All right, we'll work. But that I think then. that's the key to really getting funny ones.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's a bit. On, on, like, on this academic humor is all a bit, yeah. it's just
2: a way of someone showing off how smart they are, I yeah. think, with a lot of these like Pythagoras <laughs> so jokes and things.
0: Demarcating jokes as well in yeah. academia. Right, so after that very funny interlude to the seriousness, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about something quite important and I think really relevant for you because we've had a weird year, two years, lockdowns, remote, working, hybrid model, all of that. So you're in Wollongong?
2: I live there, yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: I'm in the Central Coast now, so we're yep. seeing people move out. So what have you got in place for your team? How's it worked for you as someone who lives outside of Sydney but in touch and distance?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, so we just hired someone on the Central Coast. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, you know, a lot of people want that lifestyle, right? And, um, you know, that's certainly what I want for my family yeah, and, and that's too, where yeah. I want to live. And, and you know, a lot of good places everywhere. But, you know, and I, I think it's... Um, you know, different industries will probably respond in different ways. And I think some industries will have shorter memories than others mm. from what <laughs> we've learned in, in, uh, from COVID. But, but you know, for the better, where I work is, is you know, I've cemented in flexible working where it wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even a consideration before. No one even really knew how to use video conferencing software, but everyone got forced into using it. And um, really traditional industry, people that have been in their jobs 30, 40, 50 years, mm. you know, particularly field workers and people that aren't technology workers as well. So it's just transformed our business as I'm sure it's transformed lots. So my personal view, uh, you know, as a manager is to just let people do whatever they want, really. You know, I'm hiring people that are really, really smart and mm. engaged and they mm. want to do well. So I just want them to to go and just solve the problem. I don't care how they do it. You know, that's up to them. They can organize their life how they want. And that's what I want to do. Brilliant. Mm. Do you have core hours or anything like that? No, no. Really? So, But, but you know, you've got to make deliberate steps, you know, like the organization does want us coming in and doing face-to-face work. And I think there's a real good social benefit to that. Um, so we do do a bit of that, but there's still a lot of flexibility in, sure. in working from home stuff. So we kind of get the best of both worlds now. So it's not full remote. Um, I like what you said there—that they can design their own day. Because
0: at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. so Emily, I think more of a morning person like you and I get mm. a wall around three or four. <laughs>
2: like if this you can start at seven, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then
0: like I can get your day done, happy day. Or some people want to work
2: at midnight, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah and you know particularly when you have young families and yeah. things you know there is a there is a stress that comes with having to manage that and there mm. shouldn't it shouldn't be that way you shouldn't be stressed to drop your kids off at school yeah you know you, you should feel empowered to do it and then mm. you know you're in such a, a better frame of mind when you go to do your work so yeah. you know it's I think particularly for our industry there's no reason why it can't be flexible there's no data emergencies hmm. you know you don't need to be on call with a pager you know like Things can wait a bit. If things can wait an hour or two. You can make up some time in the evening. I think that's that's totally fine. And then when it's time to come together as a team, then, you know, you do that. And there's there's real benefit in doing that as well. So, mm. yeah, you know, um, but, I, but I think you need to make deliberate steps. You know, I onboarded a whole team during COVID, during lockdown, where mm. I had to ship laptops to people, yeah. you know, mm. and they had no induction until months later. Some of them only just starting to go back to the office. So that was... That, that would have failed if, if you didn't approach it in a certain way. And we've all been forced to do it in a very deliberate way with COVID. Um, so, you know, we have daily daily standups, you know, we yep. have a 9.30 meeting where everyone jumps on and we all chat to each other. We have, you know, just certain certain rituals and things we do to make people feel connected. Mm. And I think that's really important. You can't just say, yeah, go do your job and it's all good. You need to have not some structure, but at least some checkpoints so people can get feedback. Yeah. And you need to drive that. And it's awkward, I guess, at the start. And we had to do a lot of those awkward team building exercises. Mm. Maybe I even took a bit of inspiration from some of the stuff your team does. I know that, you know, you put on LinkedIn and other like fun team things that yeah, you we that do. we do a did. lot of stuff, yeah. You and, have to. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, oh, that's not my natural thing but I had yeah. to like, well, it's my responsibility now to do that. So, you know, we played like dumb trivia games oh, fun. and did stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> and on a Friday, Avo. Um And, yeah, it was, actually, it was actually good, you know. surprising how much it helps. It really helps, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I think doing little things like that, yeah, it goes a long way. Um, and, and having empathy as well, you know, like people have their own problems as mm. well. So when they exacerbate that with, with COVID, you might have, they might have homeschooling yeah. or their own anxieties around their own health or their own family issues. So, you know, I, I think it's the time to be empathetic Know, mm-hmm. and, and not try and enforce too much importance around work. You know, Hire people that are motivated and people that are willing to, to work hard for you and, and people that have aligned interests and they'll get the work done. Mm. I, th- I, think there's, I think we all know that there's a huge benefit
0: of face-to-face contact. I think the whole world's agreed. I mean, if I have a big presentation, I'd rather do it with the people in the room. It creates d- different conversation. You know people are engaged. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then, yeah, social events is really important. But this whole build your own day I think is going to be the future. And I think companies that we hear of or, or, or we talk to who aren't doing that, they miss out mm. at the door on certain talents. So that's, yeah, what we hear most <laughs> of uh, is flexibility from candidates.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's like the number, well, number one driver and then it comes back down to salary every time. But anyway. What was it like
2: pre-COVID? How much of that yeah, was there before COVID? It was just an expectation, right? That you're always going to have to turn up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I feel like there was no real like conversation about it in, at all, unless it was like a tech company, which was like obviously remote working. Like, yeah, yeah. You know. So yeah, it's definitely drastically changed.
2: Weird, isn't it? How much it's changed. Yeah, right? really weird. And Positively.
0: Like, some companies were implementing it and we knew some, but do you know what it mm. was? It was usually a specific manager who was senior enough, who wanted that for themselves, who then went, well, if I want it, my team can have it. And they managed to negotiate for that. Yeah. area rather than this company-wide policy that we're seeing now it's honestly I think people and cultures like I was going to say wet dream but I just going to say it, it is literally <laughs> like that <laughs> but they've been waiting for this for years they want to implement all these cool fun strategies that people have been mm. writing about mm. in blogs yeah. since 2010 flexibility this and Uber that and Google doing this and everyone's doing it now so people and culture front and centre yeah. delivering these amazing policies that the whole world's needed and the world needed COVID, unfortunately, to, to
2: hear it.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, it was, it was weird. You know, it was, it was a leveller. So you, at least if you knew everyone was going to be in the office, then you could organise things and you wouldn't really discriminate. I think it's really important to be mindful now that if, things, if people are working flexibly and they're balancing their life the way they want to, then don't book the Friday sprint retrospective right where someone has prayer. You know, yeah, yeah, or, or or don't book the you know, la uh, the trivia session at three thirty when someone has to pick up their kids. Yeah. yeah. So you really need to be mindful of going well. Yeah, if we want flexibility, if we want this to be a new thing, because you get some benefit and you get to organise your life. You know, as a manager, I need to know what your life is about. So I'm happy to manoeuvre around. That's my whole job is just enablement and support. But I, you know, if I don't know those things, then you know you're going to be frustrated just as if you were in the office and couldn't do yeah. those things. Yeah. So it is more complex and you have to make, that's more of that deliberate effort you need to make. But you know, if you have a team that trusts you and, and they know that that's you've the got word. their back, yeah. they'll share with you and they'll feel free to say, Hey, look, can we put this at another time because yeah. I have this. And like, for me, I couldn't imagine turning around and saying, "No, nah, look, we're doing yeah. it at three and that's that. I, I feel embarrassed if I book something at a time where someone said, Oh, I've got this other thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Did you tell me about that? please let, let's change it you know to have that yeah. ability to have that conversation because
0: there's no matter how close you are close me and emily are there's still gonna be conversations that we have to have as a leader and person in the team that could get a bit awkward but having that full trust you can kind of go through it together debate it but you know that everyone at the end of the day is everyone's best interests at heart mm. but i think it's important to remember is that it has to go to ways because i mean obviously you as a leader you can only do your best so You can book everything where you want and how you want, but there's usually going to be someone it doesn't Mm. suit or one person who doesn't drink and it's a cocktail-making class. Someone Mm. who's gluten intolerant and it's a pasta-making class. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) So I think it's an understanding for the team as well that have you got a manager who's at least trying and you can Mm. see them because you can't please everyone 100% of the time. Um, And I think that's a piece that people forget sometimes as well. But at least because people trust you, they can tell you. And, and, and it's a journey it.
2: as well. You know, you got to build that trust up. And yeah, I think of course. you've got you to show that trust to get it. You know, it's that two-way thing. Yeah. So, you know, you're never going to make progress if you don't trust the people you have working for you and, and they're not going to trust you as a leader. Well, it just think. builds animosity. Yeah. If they can't yeah. come to
0: you and talk to you about something, over 18 months, they'll leave.
2: Yeah. yeah. At least
0: if they feel they're being heard, it doesn't mean you do what they say every time, but it's yeah. a help, right? So mm. true. Good. I like the world that we're living in right now. Right, so something really important that we need to get back onto and we need to publish actually, which we will do, is the book question. So the best data book. So mm. we're going to be, we were meant to be releasing a repository of all the books
2: that everyone said. realise I haven't done that yet.
0: Um, but COVID. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll blame COVID again. Any books <laughs> that you've read that you th- think people might want to read?
2: Yeah, you know, one that I picked up right, right at the start of my career was a book called um, Data Smart by John Foreman and it, you know it's it's interesting there's a lot of books out there technical books that have kind of this snobbery of like mm-hmm. here's how you code in python here's how you do things in r like technical books um, but this one was like here's how you do cool stuff in excel assuming that most people that want to break into a career aren't experts in coding you know they're probably doing stuff in excel but then it kind of gives you this peek and it, and it sort of goes into here's some more advanced things. Here's how you might do clustering or here's how you might build a a linear model. But he, he, you know, he steps through and shows screenshots of how to do it all in Excel using tools people are comfortable with. Then at the end goes, and if you're interested in R, here's kind of some code you might want to try. And it was this really good bridge between Mm. being like an analyst that was doing like spreadsheet stuff and stuff that, you know, you might pick up to, oh, maybe I can bridge into doing, you know, more technical work and, and, you know, perhaps make that next step up in, in, in my career. So, yeah, it, it was a good book. It stripped away that pretension. There is a pretentiousness around data scientists not using Excel for mm, stuff yeah. because it's beneath them, you know, and, um, and that's true to an extent. It's got, it has got legitimate problems, but, you know, people start somewhere in their careers. Mm. And I think it's a really, it was a really good book and it was kind of very, um, you know, really irreverent, kind of like real fun kind of read as well. So, yeah, Data Smart, I think, would, be, yeah, okay, would be a cool book.
0: Nice. We'll get it in the...
2: It's a real old book, but it's, yeah, you know, uh, I think it's... It's um, still relevant today. Yeah, relevant for people that, that want to break into the industry, I think. And, and maybe they're a finance analyst. I was about to
0: say, if someone's in accounting mm. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe they've been, days, you know, something.
2: like yeah, they're okay. a, a VBA warrior in Excel and <laughs> they want to move into Python or R or something. It's It, it's a, it was an influential book, but, yeah, I think it's important. Good. Cool.
0: All right. Um, So, into some more funny stories, we hope. So, obviously, a lot of the time, I'm guessing you're speaking to audiences that do not understand exactly what you do. Have you ever had any uh, embarrassing or funny presentations where you've just gone, God, no one is getting what I'm saying, and why am I (laughs) bothering?
2: Yeah. I. Yes, definitely. (laughs) You know, I think it's good. You know, if you can start your career off working in a in a fairly mature data capability, like a big, a big team. I think that's really good because hopefully you have people around you that can catch you out and you can bounce things off. Mm. I just remember like laboring over something and thinking it was really good. And then showing kind of like my manager and just like, just remember your audience. Yeah. And that's all we had to say. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm being too fancy pants <laughs> here or something, you know? And it was just that, you know, just that kind of polite collegiate kind of nudge that I needed. I think that's really important. But, you know, like, I think it's, you, you always look back and kind of cringe at stuff you did oh, a few God, years yeah. ago. And then even you get a few years down the track and you look back when you think you had all your stuff together and you go, oh, no, even that was bad. And I'm sure I'll be looking back <laughs> at stuff I'm saying now and going, oh, I had no cringe. idea what he was talking about, you know? But I think that's that's good. You know, I remember flying to Brisbane for a one-hour meeting and getting just nothing, just getting crickets. Really? to a pitch, a product that we built. Yeah. So I think, you know, like,
0: and you've revved yourself up on the plane. You're ready to go. Your presentation. How exciting like is see. it? You're eating your
2: muesli on the plane. Yeah. You're in the lounge <laughs> with your newspaper. You think you're all it's,
0: important. You're real business yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: They'll be with you soon. Go to the boardrooms this yeah. way. And then you give the presentation. It's like,
0: oh, cool. Thanks. So what did you, in hindsight, what went wrong, wrong in that meeting, do you think?
2: No, nothing, I think. But I, 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 But I think it's a weird duality in that you never really know whether you're being successful with data analytics. There's mm-hmm. no kind of like what makes a good product, what makes a good data analysis. So I think. On the one hand, you need to be able to listen to what a client wants and listen and not be too attached to what you've proposed, mm-hmm. but really listen to what the need is and and, and and you pursue that. But then I also think part of the role for a good data scientist is to, to innovate and to show them something that maybe they haven't seen before or to say, oh, here's a new approach we could take to this um, that isn't just what you want me to do. So I think both are important, but it doesn't always work, you know, and it's hard to anticipate if you show someone something, they go, no, no, we don't want that or I don't get that, you know, um, sometimes you need to step back and go, oh, I need to be humble here and maybe just do what they want or do something different or or maybe it's just not for them, you know. But I I, I think you can look back and go, well, you know, as long as you've kind of got that perspective and you're not just blindly charging ahead with your own agenda, I think it's good to balance both. So a few wasted trips I think is is okay and a few kind of like silent reactions in boardrooms is, Mm. is not bad. Because you know, it doesn't mean you have got a bad idea. Um, might not be the
0: idea they need right then. Yeah, but yeah. but
2: as long as you've got that self awareness, I think
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people miss that, and we spend a lot of our time doing that, working with clients, candidates, and getting to the core. We call it. Yeah. Yes, you might have said A, but are we really talking about B? Mm. And I think that's as an analyst, scientist, statistician, whatever you want to brand yourself. That skill is very difficult to come by.
2: Yeah, and that that's not failure, you know, but it's just it's a learning process, I think. So do you yeah. think there's like stripping back ego stuff sometimes because I find sometimes
0: yeah. I'll do like a week's yeah. worth of work i finally crack it at the end of the week like some project that I'm working behind the scenes and I've got this big presentation it's like seven pages and I look at it and go it's kind of just a sentence of work although and no one needs to know the effort I've put in I could just walk in the room and say we need to do this this is why and people go okay cool but because you want to show almost, I've done all this, yeah. like how great my work is, it took me so long. Do you think there's any part of that in, in a good data presentation?
2: Yeah, it's, I think, you know, you've got, to, you, you've got to get feedback early, I think, so you don't over invest mm-hmm. in, that, in that sort of stuff, because you'll quickly know whether you're barking up the wrong tree or not. I think the risk is when you, you invest too much time in something and you don't get enough feedback. So I think, yeah. mm. you know, um, I've got this concept of, if, you know, your final delivery product, it's not my idea, it's something I'm adapting from what someone else said, but if your final product is a cake that you bake for someone, you know, you want them to get, you know, a little slice of that cake straight away to know whether they yeah. want the whole thing. You don't want to be surprised and they go, well, <laughs> it's not my birthday and I don't like <laughs> strawberry, you know? <laughs> you know, you, you want to be able to just give them that little slice so they get the full experience, but only a small part of it, you know? And I think yeah. that's learning from the software world, doing that whole agile data science development and developing analytics using, you know, modern software development life cycles, I think is a good way to mm-hmm. try and do that. So you're not kind of, you know, ripping the curtain off in the boardroom and, you know, that's six months worth of work and, and, you know, you've overinvested and people don't get it. I think that's that's yeah. the yeah. that's the thing you don't want to go down. It's okay if you do a sales pitch and it doesn't work, you can adapt. Correct. But yeah, that's it's really hard to it's do. It's
1: like throwing the toys out of the pram if that person doesn't like strawberry. Well, I'm never baking you a cake ever yeah, again. It's yeah, like, exactly, well, yeah. actually, that's really good to know. I can make you a chocolate cake next time. Okay, cool. Yeah, or well you <laughs> yeah. get, you know, the
2: home immobile. Yeah yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not personal, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't take,
0: the, like, it's like dropping something in the WhatsApp chat and no one replies and you thought it was a really funny video and then <laughs> you just like, oh. Delete it and yeah. move yeah. on. yeah, yeah. 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 Like this message has <laughs> <is> been deleted. <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> embarrassing. Um, cool, right. Uh, dream jobs. So, obviously, you're in it working for your dream company. Of course, caveat this conversation with that. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Emily. Oh, I don't know don't if I've asked you this that. yet. What would you be doing with your life, your dream job, if you could do anything that isn't oh, recruitment, obviously?
1: Easy. Uh, this is just like I'd be either Rihanna or Beyonce. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'd be creative. I'd be a singer. I'd like do what Rihanna has said, Savage Fenty show. And she's just like... Got all these amazing costumes and like, yeah, dancer, singer, wow, I major. I did not know that. Yeah, That's I exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> we can join forces. Like you stole <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> I'm going first next time.
0: Okay, so Rihanna or Beyonce? I <laughs> yeah, like it. Yeah,
1: probably Rihanna. She's a bit more edgy. Yeah? yeah? Okay, yeah,
0: cool. Yeah, yeah. And you're super edgy, aren't you?
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dean, what would you be doing? Dream job.
2: Um, You know, I think, if I wasn't in this industry, right?
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. You've got no data
2: skills. I'd be, be, I think, like an ocean lifeguard, like a David Hasselhoff, <laughs> Hasselhoff kind of figure. If <laughs> you chose the half. Yeah, the Hoff. Baywatch. Be the Hoff. Yeah, Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be my Not life. Not
0: one, rescue, like full California. Well,
2: n- either would be okay. I yeah, think okay. that'd be cool, just hanging out at the beach, helping people. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. All right, and on to mm.
0: really more important stuff. We're going to go to the zombie apocalypse question yeah right alright so I know you have a thought about this because most people do think about it before they come on I'm going to come to you and see if you've changed any zombie people I think I don't know about I think mine. you should do yours I'll go, I'll go first again yeah Oh. I hadn't thought about it, but we did this in the office recently and it really got you thinking about what type of skills that you need. So James in our team, you know, James, he's a mechanic on the side like he does his own car. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Super useful, right?
0: So you need people like that. Yeah, Um, Mad Max
2: scenario, yeah. Yeah,
0: so (laughs) Mad Max would be really useful. So I'm going to take him speaking about. oh yeah yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah straight right. in on that because Good. he can fix up cars and mm. fight people and uh-huh. all that stuff. remember that your family is locked away safe so you don't yeah, have yeah. to include your family in it um somebody funny bill burr i usually go for i like bill burr he's a funny guy um and then i'm gonna go for a re i need a chef i've decided mm. now mm. i'm gonna go Nigella.
1: whoa yeah
0: okay. i just think you know it'd be fun <laughs> she could pretend to do a show like you know when we're in the bunker or whatever and it could be just like a fun little thing
1: that's so random because really you're random. you're a chef yourself. Really, I know, but I'm not so. like
0: I'm not a chef of apocalyptic trade. Food. Yeah. she's
2: all about seductive chocolate cakes. Could be and fun, things, right? Is what I'm saying. My wife <laughs> How useful is that going to be? My
0: wife loves her, okay. so you know that helps. She'll too. approve. She'll <laughs> approve. Um, and you know we've got like very basic rations from the apocalypse, and she's going to spruce it up into what uh, forage a, a roach cake could be a, co- a chocolate cake. Oh, I happens, hate cockroaches! Right, you <laughs> are.
1: Um, Okay, um, and i always stick to my Schmitty from um, New Girl. You watch New Girl? Yeah, yeah, Schmidt. Right, yeah. I just love him. I don't know why. I think it's just because he's just super flamboyant but really hilarious and, uh, yeah. He's, and he's also hot. got he's a... S- oh, I don't know about that. No? I don't... Oh, it's I don't that. No, it's no, not that. Okay. I think he's, he's quite like... Um, Business minded, like he's got that okay. like flair him as well as the comedy. Business is really important yeah, a lot of sales pitches going on in a <laughs> <Yeah. the> post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Strategy, strategy, <laughs> strategy. Sorry, sorry, okay, it should yeah, say cool. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um And then like I've someone else has said this on the podcast before, but I'm kind of interested in adding him to my team, Dwayne the Rock oh my Johnson. God, he always comes up.
0: Yeah, I hear I'm he's quite busy during yeah, yeah. zombie apocalypse time. I was time. trying to get one podcast where he didn't
2: come up, and we've. He's I would. I
0: mean, okay, well. I love the Rock. all right?
2: I, yep, why voice. do you love The Rock? It doesn't matter why you love The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay,
1: okay. Oh, no. I don't know my third one. This is going to be tough. Um, what have I just watched recently? Hip, Let's go Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, yeah. There okay, you go. Nice. don't know why. Just because he's why. great. Come on, it's Tom Hardy. <laughs> uh,
2: all right. I want, I want Spock oh, from yeah? Star okay. Trek. Mm. Spock. Yeah. yeah, I think he's. he'll be really useful. Yeah, you know he'll um he'll really get to the root of any problem. I think the other two people I want it's three people, right? Three yep. people. All right. Well, I had a second, and then I've cheated, so my second one would be MacGyver. Oh. Do you remember MacGyver from yeah, the nineties? Yeah, the
0: detective uh, dude. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, he can kind of like get out of any jam with just a yeah. pocket knife, right? And he's a real mm. pacifist, but a real smart kind of sciencey kind of yep. guy. Mm. So and he was and so I was scrabbling around for a third. So he actually the actor that played. Colonel Jack O'Neill in Stargate SG-1 yeah. and I really like that character too so okay. can I have two can I have the same actor playing both characters no because you're
0: having MacGyver the character that's how this works it's like Emily's having Schmitty the character not the
2: actor yeah, yeah so I can have MacGyver and Colonel Jack yeah, O'Neill yeah, right? yeah exactly Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. they just won't be in the same room at the same time presumably
0: so you want their skill sets you don't just want the actor basically
2: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Richard Dean Anderson would be no good I <laughs> want can play time. those characters for you in yeah, yeah. There's something about kind of 90s action adventure yes. stuff. I think would be really useful. And Mad Max. I guess that's that's kind oh, of yeah. Yeah, similar. Oh yeah. Are you change
1: yourself? Oh yeah. I just thought about Daniel Craig. Take Tom Hardy out. Oh, wow. Daniel Craig because he's Bond.
0: Yeah. Wait. As Bond or Daniel Craig? As Bond. Okay. So James Bond. Daniel Craig. Yeah. 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 yeah 007. Okay. So. Um, anyway. Another person who's gone for all men. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough.
1: Well, his wife's in the bunker.
0: I know. Faithful. Right. But I'm just saying, like, it's just interesting that. In an apocalypse usually everyone picks men. Right, so we're getting towards the end of the podcast and we always ask important questions around yourself as a a team leader, as a manager, and why should people work for you and mini sales pitch for you, I guess, if anyone's listening at this point. Um, But before we get to that, there's one question I didn't prep you on and it's been ruminating with me over the last couple of weeks because the borders are back open. And a lot of the people that Emily and I deal with on LinkedIn are looking to move over from overseas. Um, and they've got great skill sets, but they're just a little bit unsure about, you know, how to sell themselves, how to package themselves up, how to compare themselves to the local market. And I think they don't necessarily, they they feel that there's maybe this stigma of them being new to the country. I think compared to when I started 11 years ago, it's completely different now. It Mm -hmm. it used to be a, they need Australian experience, doesn't really ever come up for me Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Do you just have any general tips and advice for people coming over from overseas, maybe how to present themselves in either a CV, in an interview, you can go whichever direction you want with this it just might be useful for the people who we talk to a lot
2: uh, I don't think the advice is any different to to people from Australia as overseas I think you've got to have a good CV mm. doesn't mean like I think just a nice presentable CV like put mm. some effort it's your billboard to the world it's the first thing that you know someone's going to sift through so put, put some effort into showcasing what you're good at um, do you have any particular style you like because we see obviously some very technical CVs but it's just Yeah, like I think if you're using Microsoft Word, you're probably doing it wrong would be my thing. You know, like go to Canva or Novo Resume or something, you know, and mm. just like have one that's well-structured and thought out and and presentable, I I, I think, you know. Um, You know, not not complex, not a lot of like flashiness, I think, but just like nice and clean and presentable Mm. um, that that doesn't read like a, you know, a technical appendix, you know. Um, I think that that's the key. It's a sales document, I think, you know, it's, it's you're selling yourself. Um, have a portfolio I think is, is important. Anyone can do this, you know, um, ha- have a website, you know, or a GitHub page where you can show off something cool that you've done. Even if it's just a little toy example, like people often don't have a lot of spare time. They can't do big elaborate projects on the side, but it doesn't need to be. It just shows that you've got some kind of portfolio. Like if, you, if you're trying to hire like a wedding photographer, You go to their website and you go, wow, like amazing photos. I want them to photograph my wedding. The same thing, you know, wow, amazing charts. I want them to make charts in my company. Mm. Um, Yeah, you know, particularly because as we mentioned at the start of our conversation, the, the whole industry is not very differentiated in terms of roles, but the skill sets are. So you need to show where your strengths and weaknesses are. And if you can't communicate that well, well, you're probably not going to get the job or if mm. you do get it, you're not going to like it because it's not a match for you. So you're best off showing off what you're good at and being honest and open about that. And, you know, the best result there is that you get a, a good match in the role that you get. That's great good advice.
1: How about pages? Any idea on how many pages it should be, in your opinion?
2: For a CV? Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know. I haven't done much stuff. I, I don't think I could push mine past two.
1: <laughs> I haven't done much stuff. Like, what would you put in more than like, <laughs> you
2: know? Um, you, you see a lot of academic CVs that are 30, 40, sure. 50 oh, pages yeah, long, no, and I think stop. you know, it depends on the type of job you're going for. Yeah, Depending yeah. For an academic yeah. job, that's fine, but you know what I'm talking about is an industry job where you know, you know, the hiring manager gets, hey, here's. 10 CVs you've got to review on a Monday morning. Mm. Um, you've got to stand out somehow. And I think yeah. that's being succinct and, and getting to the point around what you've got Succinct
0: and achievements as well. And yeah. I think a lot of the CVs we would read, for example, would say, oh, I developed Power BI reports. Okay, but how many? What were they for? And what was the outcome of them? Well, show reports? me one, you know? Yeah, yeah, or show me one, right? It's no good just, like, I could write that I've developed a Power BI report.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it anything, the proof it, you know? yeah. If um, someone includes a link, here's my personal website or portfolio yeah. in a CV, I'm always going to go to it and check it out. Correct. Just from yeah, curiosity same. because I'm, I'm an expert in my field and, and I know when I see what I want. but if you don't show me that, how am I ever going to know? I can go to the website and go, oh, okay, mm, that's yeah interesting, but that's not what we're after." Mm. Or I go to it and I go, "Wow, this is amazing. Look at this look at all this cool stuff they've done. You know, it doesn't have to be over the top, but I think you need need something. Like we said, you got to hustle, you got to sell yourself. You know, you're not going to get opportunities just handed to you, I think. And it's hard when you're starting out your career. So you got to use every trick you can, I guess, to get yourself above the pack. Mm. So that's how people sell to you.
0: So now let's talk about the other way around because it's important in a candidate short market as we all know Mm -hmm. that we're in. So why should people work for you? And why should people work for your team? So you as the manager and then what the team does.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if people should work for me, I guess. I, I <laughs> hope I hope they'd want you? to. With you? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd hope they'd want to. You know, I, I, I want to be in a position where I can give, um, you know, technical feedback. I want to be a, a technical leader, not just a people leader. So, you know, someone that wants um, good, robust, you know, technical discussions about the work that we're doing. Someone that can contribute at that level. I think that's where I'm most happiest, I think. So... Um, That can be someone new in their career or that, you know, some of the best days I have is just having, you know, bouncing technical modeling questions off some of my senior hires and we have these amazing discussions around different approaches and we totally get each other, you know, and I've had managers before that have been great and supportive, but I couldn't talk to them at that same level, you know, Mm. so I think that's something that I, you know, I can bring to the table. I'm not necessarily hands-on, I'm kind of hands-off, that's the whole point of hiring smart people. But I think, you know, I can engage and understand the work and kind of nudge in the right direction or offer a new perspective. So that's what I try and bring to the table. Um, in terms of the company, whichever company you're working at, like I said, I think it's about trying to find people that have that purpose alignment. And I, I think that's, that's the most important thing. So, um, you know, people that perhaps want to work for a, a greenfield setup might be mm. people that have some security around where, you know, their own abilities, and they want to challenge themselves in a new area. It's, it's more about getting some more satisfaction and some more growth. So, you know, but for a really mature organization, you know, you might be seeking a nice mix. And I, I think one thing that I tried to be mindful of and something that I had to learn a lot is it's not just the individual you're hiring, you know, like you, you, you put out this PD and it's just like a person on mm. a page that you want. But in reality, you don't hire individuals, you hire team members. Mm. So what's more important is how people are going to work together. And that's a weird kind of simultaneous equation when you're hiring hmm. people. you got to know how, oh, if they all accept that role, how are they all going to click together? But, so I think that's a challenge in hiring a team. Mm-hmm. If you're hiring an individual, trying to see how they're going to slot in and that team might be your team or it might be how they're going to work with other teams. So, you know, that's something I try and be mindful of is, is setting someone up for success with an organisation and not just hiring an individual for what they can do. I think that's the key to getting the most out of it, you know, um, in the long run. It's definitely what people are looking yeah. for in a
0: leader is that kind of trust two-way street. So some stuff I've taken out of today's discussion that I think is really important that people maybe realise coming back to certain groups. But what I heard from you was that you hustled early. You made your own luck in a way, which I think is really cool. But more importantly, you, you gave yourself those first few years of your career to give yourself a grounding and have enough clout to then almost choose your own door that you walked through i think so many people these days are so focused on i need it now i have to get to this within a year if i'm not doing that then i'm a failure but you actually went you know what i'm just gonna get all the pieces of the puzzle so that when i finally present myself to the world they're gonna go well obviously look at this guy
2: i think if i had a phd in astrophysics from harvard i could probably just do whatever i wanted well, yeah, but course, like yeah. the reality is that yeah. wasn't the case with me you know yeah. I, I had no choice so you know and, and it's getting even more competitive out there now yeah. so you've got to mm-hmm. Brilliant. Mm. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you. It's been
0: fun. It's been good. Good. Really enjoyed it. We've got some cool guests this this season lined up. Um, We've got some friends coming on as well. But other than that, Dean, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries.